Talking Pet Chat today. Hey, it's Charlie with you. Now, we're going to talk about a thyroid condition uh, in our pets very soon. But before that, Cheryl, happy birthday for the weekend. You've been inundated with beautiful flowers and you've brought in some lilies for me. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, Cheryl, you know, she really likes me. But there's an ulterior motive. Tell me why. There is, because these lilies can't stay at my place, Sarah. I've just acquired a new kitten. Well, it acquired me. It just turned up at our place. The dog ladies acquired a cat. That's it. I never Absolutely. thought the day would come. That's fantastic. Congrats. Thanks. And I'm having to make a few changes. Now, these lilliums can't stay in my house because a lot of people might not realise that lilliums are really, really toxic to cats. And look, they're pretty flowers, no doubt about yes. that. But every single part of that plant is toxic. If the cat comes along and chews or nibbles on one of those um, those pretty flower petals, even on the stem or the leaves, or if they drink the water from the vase, they can get very, very ill and die. I had mm. no idea. Dr. Kimberly Earl's here nodding her head it's going... It's a big problem, yeah. Is this... A lot of people don't know about this. Am I just out of it because I don't own a cat? Yeah, I think I think the the knowledge is growing. Um, there's been an initiative that a lot of good quality florists, if you're buying lilies, will put a little card in that says, you know, dangerous to cats and things like that. We're trying to raise awareness okay. in the community, but it's a very common uh, source of toxicity for cats. Now, how toxic are we talking? Um, just a, a little bit can actually make them quite sick and they can die from it? Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the other thing with it that you don't realise is if they even brush against the pollen on those mm -hmm. stamens. The pollen will attach very easily to the cat's fur and of course we know that the cat will lick itself and then it's going to ingest that and that's where another problem comes from. Just, you know, you don't even realise they haven't eaten it, they've only just brushed against the flower. Wow. There you go. Mm. So some of the symptoms, if, if our cats have ingested... Well, I don't Lilies. think they're, Kimberly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there are any um, symptoms. It's just um, irreversible so, kidney damage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it, it, it causes kidney damage. Um, so it's not like you'll see the cat become lethargic immediately. They won't vomit, anything like that. Um, but over the course of the next few days, then sometimes they do start to have problems. Um, they can become dehydrated. They start to wee more frequently, drink more water. Um, but it's an acute kidney failure that they that the lily um, parts will cause. So okay. uh, it's very serious. It is treatable in some cases, but it again, it's a bit dose dependent. How much they've had, how long um, since they've had it. Uh, you know, we're always uh, much easier to treat them if we get to them early. So if people sort of go, I came home and they, I noticed that the, the lilies have been chewed on, um, they bring the cat straight in. Uh, that's That's got a better chance of a good outcome, okay. but it's certainly not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how many cases would you see of this? Um, well, in my practice, we don't see huge numbers, but emergency centres, when I was working at the emergency centre, um, we would see them from time to time. So it's not yeah. uncommon, you know, a yep. few, few I know, it wouldn't be a monthly thing, but it would be a few times a year. Wow. Most people with cats, and you know, if I have a kitten come into my consult room for a, a well kitten check um, or vaccinations, I'll say, you know, you know about uh, lily toxicity in cats. And if we don't, we talk to them about it. And, and really, our line is just going to be, don't bring lilies into your yes. house. Mm. Yeah. But it's interesting with them. They mm -hmm. don't affect dogs at all. No, but cats are not small dogs. They have very different organ systems. Biochemically, they're very different. So it's not a problem for dogs, um, but definitely cats are super sensitive. Yeah. yeah.
Such a good topic today, Cheryl, because I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people will be going, ah, I Easter didn't lilies. know that. Yeah, yeah. Easter yeah. lilies oh, that's too, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it really is a concern that people have these flowers in their home with their cats and, you know, the cat's just even rubbing against them. It could be a terrible outcome. So go for gerberas instead. They're, yeah. they're colourful. Yeah, I think they're... I'm back to roses. And go, oh, okay. I, I'm glad you've brought this up because I often will buy my mother-in-law lilies and she has cats. So she, no she's lilies. probably thinking Sarah's trying to poison the yeah. cats. Yeah. Oh, so that's a good one. Yeah. So maybe, that... maybe curiosity didn't kill the cat. It was the liliums. The, yeah, there you go. Really good topic. Thank now, you. of course, we are taking your calls today on 49216216. Now, Kimberly, we will chat about it later. But we are looking at thyroid. Obviously, it's a big issue. Yeah. So um, thyroid disease is something we see in both dogs and cats, but they're very different in dogs and cats. So cats tend to get uh, an overactive thyroid and dogs get an underactive thyroid. So the spectrum of the clinical signs we see is really different between the two species. Um, It tends to be a disease that comes up in older pets and it's often not identified by the clients or the the pet owners because it's got very generalized symptoms and it's not until we start looking at some blood work that we that we can identify it. Got Sid from Wanji. Sid how can we help you today? I've got Dr Kimberly Earl here ready to go. Uh, Yeah we're just wondering we have two cats and we've heard that dogs um, uh, are very much um, got to be kept away from chocolate and we're just wondering about cats whether they have the same problem. They do actually, Sid. So um, chocolate is every bit as much, in fact, it could be even more toxic to cats. Um, the good news is that cats aren't usually big chocolate eaters, so um, which, which is good. Whereas dogs, you know, dogs will wolf down chocolate and anything else that even looks like it might be edible. Um, cats tend to be a bit more discerning. So the toxic component in chocolate for our pets is a product called theobromine. It's sort of related to caffeine, but different. And they can't metabolize it out of their system. So it becomes a bit of a neurotoxin and they will start to um, have tremors, abnormal heart rhythms, seizuring can can go on to coma and death as well. And the important thing to remember is that the better quality and darker your chocolate, the more of the toxic component that is in it. So if you have a um, a really cheap rubbish milk chocolate, they have to eat a fair bit of it. Um, at least a dog does. A cat probably will have to eat less. Um, but it only takes a very, very small amount of a dark chocolate uh, or baking chocolate uh, to make even a, a decent-sized dog sick. So it's quite important you keep them away from the chocolate. Yeah, well, funny you say they don't usually chase it. We Both our cats seem to sniff it out. Do they? So, oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> Are they chocolate Burmese or something? Well, I'm not sure what it is, but um, yeah, they. Uh, if my wife's eating it, sitting right. on the lounge, she might have a couple of blocks, and okay. um, he won't. He will not eat. The, he will not leave the scene. He just stays there the whole he time. Wants the wow. yeah. I, I just love that your wife has a couple of blocks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just meant squares. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, because <laughs> you're going to be in trouble because I was going to say, well, she sounds a little bit like me. <laughs> there you go. Well, look, thank you for okay, the call. Thanks. No yeah, worries. Thank you very much. I did not think you were going to say that, Kimberly. I did learning so much. Didn't realise it was as toxic for cats as it was yeah. dogs. We, I, I can't say that I've ever seen a, ca- a case of chocolate toxicity in a cat okay. myself. I've seen lots of dogs, but not in cats, um, because they do tend to be a little bit more pedantic about what they eat and they're a little bit more discerning. But um, yeah, there's no reason. You know, cats, if anything, are have more toxicities than dogs do. But yeah, certainly to- uh, chocolate is one we'd stay away from. 
There you go. Taking your calls, 49216216. We do have a free line right now. But we're looking at thyroid disease in our pets today, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. And I was just saying to you that my mother-in-law just went through this with her cat, her Pixel, cat. who'd yeah. always been a little bit on the heavy side, <laughs> um, but started to eat and cry for food constantly and was losing more and more weight. And it turns out it was a thyroid condition. So the thyroid is a gland that's located in your neck and humans have them and dogs and cats have them and most animals have them. They produce a number of different hormones. But with regards to the diseases that we typically see, uh, their main role is to control your basal metabolic rate or your metabolism. Okay, so um, in a cat, cat disease with the thyroid is, tends to be an overactive thyroid gland. So it basically speeds up their metabolism. It's usually a tumor-based disease. So there's a little functional tumor. It's pretty small. You're not gonna most of the time. You're not gonna feel or see much there as a pet owner. Um, it, it does swell a little bit, but it's basically a functional tumor that produces more thyroid hormone in the body, and that basically ramps up their whole metabolism. So the clinical signs we see in these older cats is that they do. They start to become skinny. They start to vocalize more, they, like they're howling for yes. food all the time, or yes. they're really restless pacing back and forth. They often are starting to drink a lot more water. Um, and many times we, uh, you know, associate that with some of our other diseases in older cats, kidney disease, things like that. So um, the skinniness is the one that most people look and go, oh, something's wrong. The cat's getting really skinny. Yes. Um, and when we question them on it, they sort of go, oh, yeah, okay, he's drinking more water. Yep, more restless, more vocal. So that certainly can be a problem. Um, and the nice thing about it is they're treatable diseases. So hyperthyroid disease in cats is a treatable disease. It can cause some pretty serious secondary side effects. It can cause heart murmurs and, and damage to the heart can cause damage to the kidneys Um, but a fairly simple blood test can identify it and there's some really good treatments out there so usually we start them initially off on some tablets or if you can't tablet your cat there's a few other options transdermal gels and things like that and there's some even definitive treatments so uh, in the past we did a lot of surgery on these cats not a lot but surgery was a, um, a, a choice that was available now we typically use radioactive iodine um, to basically burn out that whole overactive thyroid and the cats come back to a normal body condition they settle down they're not quite as um, you know as restless and nervous and active Um, and so you know it's a treatable condition that can really extend their quality of life and extend their life now in dogs we have the opposite condition so Um, In our older dogs, it doesn't have to always be older dogs as well. So in dogs, the condition that we see is an underactive thyroid, and it usually comes about by an immune response against the dog's own thyroid tissue. So much in the same way that, um, let's say, type 1 diabetes, you, you burn out your own ability to produce insulin. In dogs, their own body burns out their ability to produce thyroid hormone. And so these guys have a low thyroid and a low metabolism. And so what happens if you've got a slow metabolism? Well, your body slows down, you slow down, you start to become sleepy and lethargic, you start to gain weight. And that's one of the classic things that people will come to me and I'll say, gee, Mrs. Smith, Fluffy's really fat this year. You've got to get some weight off. And she says, I've been trying, I've been trying. We've been cutting down his food. We've been trying to exercise him more, but he hates his walk and he's not losing any weight. And so those dogs will often test them and go, oh, look at this. His thyroid level is really low. And it physically means he can't ramp his metabolism up to help with that weight loss. So in dogs, we typically see overweight dogs that are lethargic. They're sleeping a lot. Sometimes they don't tolerate cold very well. 
oftentimes they start to lose hair so they can get patchy hair loss and sometimes it's really classically symmetrical on both sides of the body but not always skin infections are really common in dogs um, and even things like um, uh, other infections urinary tract infections things like that and again Without testing it, you know, some of those signs are things you'd just see in an old dog. Absolutely. You'd go, oh, my old dog is just slowing down. But when we test them and measure their thyroid levels, we can see that they're low. And again, supplementing them means the dog gets his vigor back and he starts to lose weight and he wants to go for walks and he's interested in interacting with the family. Back. Absolutely. And they can lose weight so that it's not so hard on their bones and joints. So they're really important diseases because as a pet owner, you're not really going to identify that that there's something wrong with your pet but if we can if we can get a hold of them take some blood it's fairly simple testing to do um, then we can actually really improve these guys and, and improve their longevity for a long time and I think you've nailed it because you do just think okay well there's nothing wrong with them they're getting old or with my mother-in-law's cat you know we, we thought the worst oh you know it's it's not going to be good probably nothing can be done yeah. you know but um in fact that was the opposite so now that the the cat's on tablets it's put on weight, it's healthy again, it's not meowing all the time. Yeah. It's, it's a happy cat. That's so, right. um, And I think you've said it before as well, if you do have older pets, that it is worth just going and get, getting their bloods Absolutely. tested, yeah. which I went and did, ladies. You'd be so happy with, with Gizmo, my yeah. little man, 11 years old. Yeah. Um, just thought, well, it's, he, he seemed fine, but I thought I know that you've spoken right. about it just to check in and make sure that they're doing well good. yeah mm. you know i think by the time we wait for clinical signs to show up for some of these diseases and some of the other older dog diseases and older cat diseases if we identify them early we can really help them out before it's too late to do anything so certainly for cats i always start talking to clients about running some um you know routine screening blood work in them from about nine years of age and dogs probably similar to that depending on whether they're big dog or little dog sure um, you know just intermittently let's get a blood panel we haven't done it for a while uh, there's lots of different things that we can pick up on and hey if we get a, a completely clear panel then that's great guess what your dog gizmo he's totally fine we don't have yeah. to worry about him for yep. you know for the next 12 months or so yeah um and so you know i think if you're concerned at all about your pet go into your vet and say listen I think we should do some blood work. I just want to know that everything's okay. And if it's not, we pick it up and we identify it early. We're going to go to Frank from Bellbird now. Hello, Frank. G'day, Charlie. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I haven't spoken to you for a long while. It's certainly... If you, if you remember, it was me that rung you up on your last day before you went away on, on your maternity leave. Oh, thank you, Frank. And I'm just... Well, I'm about three weeks late, but welcome back to the airwaves. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. And can we help you with a pet question as well no, while you're no, here? The only pet I got is sitting in here in the lounge room. I hope that's not your wife. It is. <gasps> oh, we're gonna we're gonna let Frank go. He's gonna be in trouble now. <laughs> okay. Darling. God love you. Thank you, Frank. It is Pet Chat and taking your calls, 49216216. Now, Sarah in Dudley, you need some advice on introducing your cats with other cats. Uh, Yes, thank you. Um, my son and his partner have just moved back home to save money for their house and they have brought with them their three-year-old cat. And we have two six-year-old cats who are brothers and we just don't kind of really know what to do. We've sort of searched the net and we realise we've got to keep this new cat Separate. inside for about five weeks so that it knows um, you know, its environment. But what I don't know is the psychology of introducing the animals to each other. We're yeah. sort of cordoning them off at the moment and occasionally they wander past each other and they hiss, but 
Okay. One of them is particularly freaked out, and I just yeah. don't know whether I should get time or I just I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so so the big thing is that um, you know your two cats they have an intruder cat coming into the house, and that for them is really really stressful and can set up some anxiety issues there. And then the new cat has just lost his usual place, and he's coming in feeling like he's the underdog, and that can also cause uh, a lot of anxiety issues. Uh, for yes. him. So I would start definitely by keeping them um, separated and ideally you would separate them so that they don't actually even get an opportunity to see each other um, but oh. maybe just can hear each other and, and smell each other. So maybe the bedroom um, where your son and partner are you know they could have a little um, a little enclave there for their little cat um, and that would give the cats, your cats, an opportunity to start to get used to the fact that they'll be able to smell and hear and get an inkling that there's another cat there without feeling like like that cat's taking over their whole house. And at the same time, the new cat gets an opportunity to sort of go, okay, I can smell these other two cats. I need to get familiar with them. Um, That will help him to learn, him or her to learn that space and become familiar with that little small space so he starts to feel a bit more um, comfortable as well. Um, You know, there's some good products on the market, um, feline pheromones, things like that, that you can get as diffusers. We've got two two vials of Feely Way burning night and day. Yeah, (laughs) and that's really, really important because your cats can, you know, can experience a lot of stress. The new cat, um, potentially, you know, all the the stress-related issues with um, over-grooming and urinary obstructions and things Mm, that we see in mm, cats, that's mm. really important. Um, And then it's a matter of time and starting to slowly, you know, let them have more um, interaction. So, Uh, a little bit of vision but still separated, that sort of thing. I would say it's going to take a minimum of two weeks where they're sort of um, totally separated before they start to get a bit more interested. Um, and then, you know, after two weeks, maybe start to let them have a little bit of like, oh, I can see you, you can see me, but we can't get to each other. Because what you really want to avoid is having an actual cat fight happening in your house. And you might actually start, when you start to let the new cat out and about, what you might do is lock your cats away, um, you know, in a bedroom or something like that, and let the new cat come out and start to learn the lay of the land, learn the places that the other cats go. Yeah. yeah, and then he'll lay a bit of his own scent down around, you know, just by walking and rubbing up on things. And then when you let your cats back out and, and the new cat's locked away again, um, they'll sort of go, oh, okay, this guy's here. And, and, you know, just a really slow, gradual um, transition. And realizing that they may get to a point, they'll likely get to a point where they're tolerant of each other, um, but uh-huh. there's a very good chance with cats of those that age that they won't ever get to a spot where they like each other. And so you're right. always going to need to have separate litter boxes and things like that for them because even if they're free in the house um, and in a situation where you sort of feel like things are going okay, um, if they're not in the same sort of cat family, as in they haven't accepted each other um, as as close friends and family yeah and usually we say if they're not grooming they're not family um so if they're not mutually grooming each other then they're not considered cat families so you need to stay Uh you know have separate litter boxes ideally separate feeding um, bowls for sure if not feeding areas um and and just go really slowly and, and see what happens but it you know it's one of those things i think gradual introductions letting the new cat learn the house without the threat of the other cats being around too because they're potentially going to chase him off um and he'll end up hiding under the lounge for the next three weeks and you won't be able to get him out whereas if he gets a few you know a few hours here and there um on his own to just be free in the house exploring starting to learn where different hiding spots and things are when we finally do start to introduce them more more gradually or or more intensely i guess i should say um then he'll already know where some of the safe spots are to go so kimberly do they get a pecking order 
as well, cats, or not so much? Not necessarily. No, I mean, pecking order, the thought of pecking orders and, and top dogs and things like that, even amongst dogs, is, is sort of going a bit by the wayside. Oh, um, okay. We just know that some cats will be more dominant, so some cats will just say, this is my house, I'm not letting you have it, I'm going to attack you, and, and, um, and they will be more towards the aggressive side rather than some that'll be very timid and say oh my god there's an intruder here it's too scary I'm just going to go and hide um, and, and what we just want to avoid is that you know you, you we don't know what the personalities of the individuals will be so the new cat to one of the old cats might be fine they might go okay I can get on with you but to the other cat he might be like no nah, I'm not tolerating you I'm mm. coming into your house and I'm taking over so it's very individual it's sure. not necessarily that we're going to have one cat that's the leader of the pack and the other two are going to fall in line we do have our phone lines open 49216216 as we have a quick look at the weather update thanks to our sponsor the Hunter Motor Group Maitland for new Honda Subaru Volkswagen and Isuzu Utes remaining cloudy this afternoon don't be surprised if we do get a shower a little later on today then tomorrow another partly cloudy day should find up after that though that's the good news right now it is 20 degrees at Waratah and we're going to go to Alan from Fennel Bay congrats you've got a small dog that's 17 years old what a what a champion Alan are you there I can hear you oh good okay what can we help with I just want to know if if it's unusual for the dog to be to reach that age uh, oh, not necessarily. I mean, the general rule is that the smaller the dog, the longer they live. So Great Danes only live seven to nine years of age, typically. Um, lots of little small breed dogs will get into the 14, 15, 16, some 17s. I've recently seen a Kelpie that was about 19 and a half. So wow. um, it's certainly not the, the stock standard life expectancy, but it's not uncommon as well. It's just that um, when he was a little pup, he had... Um two major operations on his back. He had blown discs. Oh, yes, yeah. Two separate occasions. And um, I won't mention names, but friends of ours, he looked after dogs and humans and stuff like that. He got us on some sort of re, uh, nerve rejuvenation material from uh, Bathurst. And he's been on it for about, oh, it must be 15 years now. Okay. And it's worked wonders with him. Oh, that's great. Excellent. And so he's a happy little dog. He's a lovely It's not common, but it does happen for sure. So you've done really well with him. Def- definitely. I think we have time for one more call, 49216216. We will have a quick look at our pet of the week, though. And today I'd like to introduce to you Sabine. Now, I just love if you get on our website, 2NURFM.com, you can check out a picture of Sabine. It looks like she's done a proper photo shoot. She's <laughs> standing on a rock with the ocean behind her, looking, she's pondering the world, really, she in this is. photo. It's cracked me up. Look, she's a nine-month-old female stumpy-tailed cattle dog. She's looking for a family with patience and love because she is a cattle dog. Uh, She's been rescued from the pound. She's a little bit wary of people at first, uh, but once you get to know her, very sweet, very affectionate. She's loyal, uh, smart, uh, and she needs a family who will walk her daily, obviously, and also take her on adventures. She's dog-friendly, and she walks well on a lead, and she's toilet-trained. So if you're in the market for a little puppy energetic cattle dog then please get on our website to nurfm.com and check out sabine you won't be sorry well kimberly we've got a got a couple of minutes to chat mm-hmm. um 
I guess we were talking a little bit before about the thyroid conditions. Yep. Um, and we we're saying that, you know, we do need to get our dogs checked regularly in case we do have a thyroid condition in yep. them. Sure. But um, the good news is you said it is easily treated. Yeah, quite easily treated. So um, for dogs, usually we're looking at tablets twice a day. Uh, initially, when we're getting them stable so that we've got a, the appropriate level, we do a bit of monitoring of what the, the new thyroid levels come up to. So we want to might have to do it a couple times to get it right. Um, but yeah, it's quite easy. So for people sitting at home, though, is it expensive? I guess that's the question because you you worry. You know, you, yeah. you obviously want to look after your pets. Is it something that's going to be costly, or is it quite manageable? It's it's not too bad. You know, if you look at the grand scheme of things, um, because it's a cost that's drawn out. It's not like you know have to do a major surgery where you're going to be up for three or four grand at one time. Um, there's a bit of a cost involved in in you know regular rechecks and a few um, you know blood tests every year. Uh, and the tablets themselves are not um, super, super expensive, but there's a bit of cost there. Um, but if you compare it to something like a diabetic uh, a diabetic dog, it wouldn't be the same level of cost as that. So it can be quite manageable. Yeah. Um, and the tablets are quite little, so you can hide them in food and the dogs feel better once they've had it. So it's not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for the info. It's been very interesting. Dr. Hmm. Kimberly Earl, thank you for coming in. Cheryl Shaw, thank you for your update on cats and lilies. And thank you for bringing me in a bunch of beautiful lilies as <laughs> well. Very welcome. <laughs> Don't take them fun. to your mother's house. Yes. Oh, no, no. I'll, I'll keep them at mine. Gizmo will stay away. It's been lovely having you company. We are back same time next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.